0: Filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. Although well-being is a priority and a topic is by no means a new arrival onto the HR to-do list, the depth and breadth of the topic continues to develop over time, but many employers struggling to build and implement effective and embedded wellbeing strategies. However, some employers are seeing great success in their wellbeing journey, and we're lucky enough to speak to one of them today. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Sharon Daly, Program Manager of Health and Wellbeing at Iron Road Air and Irish Rail, who are this year's Embedding a Culture of Workplace Wellbeing Large Employer winner at the CIPD Ireland HR Awards. Thanks for joining us, Sharon. How are you?
2: Thanks, Owen. Nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, founder and managing director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary?
3: I'm great. Thanks, Owen. And Sharon, congratulations to you and all the team on on winning such a prestigious award. I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, all about it.
2: Thanks, Mary. Yeah, very exciting. uh, time we were delighted to receive uh, the award and to get that recognition and i'm looking forward to holding up the trophy at our um, <laughs> event in a couple of weeks with our health and wellbeing champions who are the real winners in it as well because um, without them we couldn't do anything at all they're a fantastic group so we'll uh, hopefully share a nice photo in a few weeks of that one <laughs> Brilliant
1: look so let's i suppose jump right into it sharon so i suppose can you talk to us a little bit about the strategy what was the goal what were the kind of overarching principles of it
2: sure yeah so i suppose maybe um from the time i joined irish rail there just about two and a half years ago um so my role is a new role in um in aaron and um, as the health and well-being um, program manager so really what i needed to look at from the start was that real needs assessment piece to understand where people were at and what the needs of the organization were um and that, for me, is the most important thing, and that's our real key focus in terms of the the health and wellbeing strategies is understanding how we can support people. So, um, I had lots and lots of teams calls, and um, because we were in COVID, um, at, at the start, so uh, one to ones kind of groups departments focus group style and um, meetings and we ran a staff survey as well to really get insight in terms of what was needed and what the challenges were that staff were facing a lot of similarities and then some specific different areas and, and different um challenges that are coming up for different groupings like people who were on shift and things like that obviously there was different challenges and people in the front line as well um, so our approach has really been people focused so everything we do is led by what the the needs are so for example <clears throat> excuse me one of the things that came up in our um staff survey was we have um 46 of people who responded to our staff survey identified themselves as family carers and um, so this is something that we never would have known about only that through the conversations and that and um, kind of in-depth discussions prior to the survey it had that conversation had started so we'd included a question on it and um, so we've linked in with family Carers ireland and um our Part of their workplace program, um, as a caring employer, um, and we're kind of working through that. We had a meeting only the other day with our chief executive about our next steps, um, for that program and how we can better support staff. Um, so another example where uh, that came out of and um, some of that research was, um, staff really wanted health checks, and I think that probably the timing as well because we were, um, that survey was run in september um 2021 so we're running it again and um, this coming september and um, but we were you know still covid kind of times you know access to healthcare, care gps etc for regular routine stuff was um less and um, so last year we this time last year we ran our first um national round of health checks for staff um free and confidential around the country and we're actually kicking them off again uh, next week um for around kind of a hopefully a wider reach again. So again, listening to staff and, and responding to what the challenges and needs are. So, you know, the the interventions, initiatives that we are running are um, supporting staff. And then we're also, um, which is obviously a longer term piece, looking at how our structures across the organization can you know, support staff in terms of um, that culture of health and wellbeing. Um, but really, I suppose one of the big things to date has been that engagement piece and, you know, listening. So staff are engaging because they see that we're supporting them and where they need support, as opposed to us saying, well, we think this would be good for you, <laughs> for example. Um, nobody likes that <laughs> in general. Um, so does that answer your, your question? Yeah, okay,
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, I suppose, Mary, what i said to be, Mary, is that, again, that's kind of Sharon said there, it's kind of led by the people, I suppose. All the the things they're doing, all the activities they're they're running with is led by the people. So I suppose, Mary, my question is, how important is that kind of one clear overarching goal when it comes to these kind of projects? I mean, the clear one here is listen to the people and give them what they want as as best we can. I suppose, should that be kind of made clear before any plan is developed further, Mary? That real listening part and setting out the goal at the start is really key to especially something so big as this, isn't it?
3: I think we we always talk about that here on this podcast, own that the need to listen to people on on whatever it is on your HR strategy and your business strategy and in, in general, um, and so uh, health and wellness and and your well being. Should be weaved into business strategy and be at the core of strategy, and I think it's fantastic to see an organization actually creating a role and a new role which is focused entirely on um, well being and and looking at that whole area. I think it's really fascinating to ha- have watched the evolution of health and wellness. In the workplace, moving from, I suppose, um, an EAP kind of a model where we focused entirely on the individual. And it was, you know, the individual is not well and the individual needs X, Y and Z. Um, and that would have been like a traditional approach to health and wellness. You know, we'll refer you to occupational health and we'll we look at those kind of things and very much one-off initiatives um, for individuals. And and then I suppose we started looking at, well, you know, how do we make people happy at work? And again, I think that whole concept has changed a bit as well, because, you know, life is full of struggles um, for everybody. We have highs and lows throughout our lives. Um, And the organisation being there to support um, you through those various struggles uh, is what might lead to happiness or it might not lead to happiness at all. It might just lead to you being more comfortable uh, in your circumstances. And so I love the evolution of health and well-being in the workplace, moving from the me to the we to the us and then looking at, you know, how are we all um integrated not just into our organizations but into our wider communities as well and so when you say sharon that you know you, you through focus groups through one to one meetings through um employee surveys you discovered that there was um, such a high percentage of people in your organization in, in, in with family caring responsibilities um, and that the kind of initiative that you put in place to support that. And without talking to people, you could invite in a speaker who's going to talk about family caring. Um, but if you don't have a structured program around it, what goods it to anyone? And so I love that, you know, movement from the me to the we, to the us, and I think that's that. That has to be at the heart of strategy, um, in in every respect in HR, but specifically in this area.
2: Absolutely, and I think that's really what engages people. You know that it's it's led by them. Like recently, we had um one of our health and well being champions in in one of our locations came forward and said, "Look, I have some colleagues here who are interested in quitting smoking. Can you do anything to help us?" So. Very easily, um, we were able to link in with the HSC, uh, who have a smoking cessation um, service. So, we linked in with the area close by um, to that station, and they provide, are currently running a free smoking cessation six week program with free nicotine replacement therapy for staff there. And since then, I'm, I'm not sure if it's just word of mouth or competitiveness, but a champion in another location <laughs> is now looking um, to do something similar. So, we're setting up. Um, he, They have another group of staff in a different location who are looking to quit smoking and um, we're linking in with HSE to to run that as well. So it's that organic piece that's really important. Mm -hmm. Like obviously there's other things that need to go on as well, but I really think that organic piece has the power. Um, But actually what I didn't say, you just um, reminded me of something there, Mary, was around strategy. So obviously... You know, in terms of our, our corporate strategies, like health and well-being is very clearly identified within the various corporate strategies, um, particularly our people strategy, which makes apparent sense. <laughs> that needs to be in there. Um, but our wider business strategies and also um, obviously we're part of the CIE group, along with Dublin Bus, Bus Aaron and and the holding company. And the CIE have a sustainability strategy and one of the pillars of that is health and well-being. So we do sit across um, those various strategies, which, again, is really important because it needs to all fit in together. We can't, as you say, focus on, you know, just the people and behavior change. That's obviously relevant and important, but it's the, you know, that's um, the downstream. We need to look at the upstream and then we need to facilitate and Mm -hmm. provide environments that are supportive to people's um, health and well-being. Um, and that's that's absolutely crucial. Um, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And you know, we've we've done um we've done a lot, but we have still have plenty to, to keep us going. Um, under no illusions there. <laughs> but um
1: yeah. yeah, and I suppose before we kind of jump into the, the how exactly you did it and some of the results and stuff, I suppose, Sharon, was there any kind of challenges along the way? I suppose this is a big program well being such a lot of things, a lot of people involved, How long have you got kind of, on?
2: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose with anything, there's challenges and this is ongoing challenges. But I suppose the biggest piece, um, the biggest challenge for us is that we're all over the country, and um, we um, have staff, you know, everywhere, and you know we have staff in de- different types of roles so we have pretty much every type of grouping that you could possibly imagine so if I was the health and well-being manager in an organization that was one building with office-based staff it would be very straightforward because you had to be able to capture everybody whereas we have people in various roles on site you've got various shifts you've got night workers you've got very different lots of different complicating factors like safety critical workers as well which brings another whole piece to it um also and then you've got people who are remote people who are um you know haven't traditionally been connected with technology as well so that's another um challenge for us so um reaching people um is the challenge i previously was saying engaging but actually you know there's such a huge movement um in terms of interest and engagement really around health and wellbeing. once you get to people (laughs) but it's the hard bit is that reach piece um so there has been one of me, plus I have a colleague who's absolutely fantastic, Anne Farrell, who you, you may have come across. Anne has been working across the CIE group um, for a long time, um, you know, before health and wellbeing was, it is what it is today. So, you know, we owe thanks to Anne for getting us to this point and for supporting the, the position to come in and that real buy-in from the business and um, to have a dedicated position. And now Bus Aaron and, um, and Dublin Bus also have, Um, health and well-being manager positions as well which is fantastic and we're working together you know as a transport group as well but I think it's um, you know it it is a a, the the time has changed and that but um, it's yeah absolutely that's that's probably the biggest challenge is that reach piece Um, because once generally speaking once we reach people you know most people are are quite keen to, you know, get support or to understand what, you know, what, what the offerings are or what they can avail of or, you know, or put in their, their tuppens, their request because, you know, that door is always open, um, which is great. But I'm delighted that a couple of weeks ago, we have a new colleague joined the team as well. Jennifer um, joined us as well. So that's fantastic. And uh, onwards and upwards of a few more business cases going into our CEO.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I suppose then you kind of alluded to, there was such a distributed workforce, there's obviously a lot of stakeholders, isn't there? And I suppose how important are those champions on the ground? You mentioned them quite a bit so far. So I guess they were probably big drivers, weren't they, if you pardon the puns? Yeah,
2: huge. So we, (laughs) oh, there's plenty of (laughs) (laughs) ones, and it's terrible because I'm now saying them all. I'm like, oh, God, (laughs) we're we're on track with that. So, yeah, we have um, our steering group. Um, is I suppose they're made up of our senior leaders. So um, they're, I suppose, the, the senior people in the organization. And we have a good spread of people across functions um, on our steering group. And we have our committee then who support around some of the implementation and practical challenges and, you know, um, and things like that. And then our champions who are kind of lo- like loads of different roles, different um Different jobs, managers, supervisors, frontline, et cetera. We have like customer service, procurement, drivers, um, station staff, office staff, you name it. We've got a huge variety of staff who are champions We've around 50 Halt and Being champions, um, all around the country. But they you know, each each of those groupings are absolutely crucial to the program. The the champions piece, they're local in their area. So that has a huge um I suppose, a huge role in bringing the message of whatever it is we're doing. So I've mentioned we're rolling out um, health checks around the country starting next week. But for us to do that, we need to know that people want health checks in their area. So our champions will put out, you know, requests and say, yeah, can can we have um, a nurse come along here? And there's roughly this many people who are interested. So we say, yeah, grand. And if you need more days, we'll allocate more days to you. Um, so but and they'll organize like a local room and they'll meet the nurse and you know that that kind of local stuff on the day and they'll spread the word and then they'll give us feedback about what worked what didn't work so it's absolutely crucial that we have that because otherwise we're just saying oh well we think they might like health checks over there let's send somebody down and see what happens like that obviously isn't very useful or a good use use of resources the champions are absolutely vital they're that conduit of information for us you know you know that bringing information to us um, like I said about smoking cessation, you know, there's a need there and then sharing. So now that program is out there and they're sharing and promoting it to other colleagues as well. So absolutely crucial. We couldn't do, um, you know, what, what we do without them. I, I had really good feedback actually from one of them last year when we were doing kind of a round of what you think you achieved this year from the champions. And one of them said, um, I think my biggest achievement this year was that I opened a few very closed minds. And I actually, this is well before the Awards. So I said, you know what, that is actually worth gold. And I, I think that is probably the best thing that we could possibly say we've achieved is that, you know, we're bringing people on this journey. We're planting seeds and we're really trying to support that, that culture um, uh, piece as well. So we're, you know, supporting staff as best we can. Definitely. So, yeah.
1: And I suppose that Mary, when it comes to the success of these programs, I think the key to it really is that kind of sustainability, that kind of long-term approach, really. And and as Sharon kind of alluded to there, that buy-in, Mary, isn't it? So I suppose kind of that buy-in at all levels, Mary, how important is it? It really kind of allows the strategy to adapt, build over time, and kind of be embedded in the business, Mary, doesn't
3: it? Yeah, well you see you see how a successful strategy works because it's built into the corporate strategy, it's built into the people's strategy a new role or roles have been created in this case that's growing as you can see you've added someone else to your team you've got your 50 champions Uh, you know that would not happen that would not happen in an organization unless it was built into the core strategy of the business Um, and the reason why it wouldn't happen is because uh, you wouldn't have the funding to do it um and by building it into the core strategy and having your key senior leaders buying into the whole concept of health and well-being, and really looking at the organization and seeing what the organization needs is key um, And so often when people talk to me about strategy and, and you know I look at strategy across anything to do with the people function, but you know, it's a plan. It's a plan of action. It's it's what you're going to do. It's your intent, what you're going to do, how you're going to measure it, uh, and how successful it is ultimately at the end of the day. Um, but it needs budget. It needs resources. One-off initiatives, you know, they're not, they're great. They might have a feel-good factor on the day, but You know, if you're really serious about health and well-being, you really have to look at a plan and a long-term plan and something that's sustainable, that's supported by senior management and that you're not trying to deliver all by yourself. So lots of lone um, HR professionals who are tasked with the health and well-being of, of their organisation, whether that's in one building or, or multiple buildings or with shift workers, you know, remote workers, hybrid work, whatever it may be. People tell me, I can't do it. I can't do it all by myself. Um, but you can see, look at the reach um, that Sharon has had through building champions, through, um, you know, coming at this from a strategic perspective. You're not delivering every single thing yourself, Sharon, presumably. I hope not. You're going to be very tired. (laughs) It's
2: it's linking. (laughs) Sometimes, I know. I'm joking. No, um, it's really important that we're linking in with all the different projects that are going on in various areas. And I think that was probably the big thing in terms of the CIPDHR award was to, be able to kind of step back and see those links, because oftentimes I think in health and well being you might think you might not realize that when you're having those conversations and influence in different areas, that that's actually part of what health and wellbeing is, is or should be. It's not just about the behavior change initiatives, which we, you know, have plenty of um, initiatives like our Ignition Go Health and Wellbeing program with the diabetes department is an example of an initiative to support, you know, behavior change and, you know, one to one coaching and all, all that kind of um, side of things as well. The other piece is structurally around the organisation. When you're talking about, you know, the leadership piece, you're talking about, you know, socials, you know, um, you know, psychosocial safety and how people feel when they come into work. You know, that's so important for people. You know, when you're talking about people being connected, like as part of a um. I pay deal with trade unions and negotiations the you a know, rollout of um mobile devices to all staff so supporting that connectivity so there's loads of different things going on in de- different areas that impacts on people's every day how they feel um you know he- healthy and well and and mm-hmm. included as well like that whole wide piece of how I feel going into work that um you know really has an impact on people's day I mean we have fantastic people around the organization. I I've met, feel like I've met most of them, 4,500 at this stage. I've been everywhere um, and I'm constantly meeting people. Um, but there's a real sense of family and community, particularly amongst people in their local areas, like that real kind of hubs of, of family, you know, in different areas. Um, and it's really trying to support people so they can support each other. And, um, you know, in whatever it is, it's going through, they're going through, like you mentioned, Mary, you know, people are, you know, there's waves that go through, go through people's lives. And, you know, sometimes we need to have a bit of flexibility and support for people at, at different stages. Um, and the likes of the Family Carers Program is an example of that. And uh, I mean, it's been really phenomenal. Like we've, I feel like we haven't, you know, done much yet. Like there's lots I'd like to do, but we've actually linked people together. Um, and we're just starting, like I suppose at the start we've just been linking, kind of getting input as to some of the challenges and what's working for people um, and just having these social connection pieces and we're planning a face to face event for family carers um later this year. But even those link ups, people are forming, you know, friendships and supporting each other. I mean, one particular group, um they they set up a WhatsApp group after they'd had like we'd had a, a, a meeting with them. So they're based in one particular area. Um and there was, I think about eight or ten people in that particular area that that um had linked up. And it turned out that they end, one of them ended up offering respite to another so they could go to a wedding. Because they you know, things happened and, you know, it was just really lovely. Like the you know, the things people do is just phenomenal. And if the organization can support that, it's such an honor to be able to facilitate that. You know, it doesn't cost much it's a bit of time it's a bit of listening and i think that's the big thing and yes we're lucky to have really good support from management and we do have budget to be able to run things like our ignition go program or health checks but a lot of stuff is is that structural piece about how we're supporting people and even people feeling that they can come forward and say that they're a carer and you know, it is a massive weight off the shoulders of a lot of people as well. Um, so absolutely, I think it's it's a cross function. It's not just me at all. I mean, I I you know, I'm busy doing lots of things, but it is all embedded. Like it's that's what we have to be. I mean, linking in like our safety, I've had conversations with safety recently, some safety teams, and they're looking for support around musculoskeletal you know um challenges because they're very physical jobs and so i'm supporting them and building a program and bringing in the right people but it'll be rolled out within their area as a pilot and hopefully that'll be something that will be part of the structure then for that particular those particular roles and you know we can it'll spread wider than that all going well um so yeah absolutely um you know feeding it into various um other parts are in training and other things that are going on um so not just me, <laughs> some days it feels a bit like it might be, but no, well, um, there's, there's lots and lots going on. It's, uh, I was laughing recently. It was, you know, the success has been great. You know, there's been so much interest and people really want to, um to get involved. Um, but as uh, careful what you wish for sometimes, <laughs> we're really popular. <laughs> um, but it's fantastic. It's a great, it's a great complaint. And, you know, it would have been the wish going in the door is this is where, you know, we could get to that we were not banging down doors saying, please come join us. That it's, you know, the other way that we're like, okay, we need a bigger room <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, you know, to open the door and ha- bring people with us. So it's great. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And I suppose the thing that jumps out to me as well, turn is that it's not, there's not, it's not necessarily an end result you want to get to. It's just getting those mini results and feedback over time really kind of validates the program and the work you're doing as well, turn doesn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's it's funny because it's really hard in health and well-being for the metrics side of things to really have figures. And obviously, you know, we have figures of certain things like the number of staff engaging in health checks and we'll have, you know, confidential findings around blood pressure and all that, you know, what's going on. That'll guide where we go next in terms of supports that we offer and things like that. But, and, you know, we've different engagement and, you know, our, health and well-being program or ignition go and in various aspects of that and where people are interested with topics and and things like that but I mean the real thing is the feel and it's interesting no matter where I go people like oh you're sharing health and well-being I'm like okay (laughs) yeah but it's kind of there's a buzz you can feel a lot of people talking about it and um people are aware of what's going on And I think that's a real positive because I suppose, you know, there is there's always cynics and that's fine that that's the world that that we're in. But I do think that um, there's there's few and I always welcome the chats because you never know where people are coming from or what experiences people have had in the past. And that's really important to understand as well. we're not just listening to people who are telling us we're great and we're doing a great job. You know, I want to hear from the people who think that this is, you know, a tick box exercise because it's absolutely not. Because I, in my heart and soul, believe that we want to support people where they need it. So if people feel we're not doing that, then just tell me and we'll see what we can do. You know, we'll have the conversation. But um, yeah, I think it's um, it's hard to um, to quantify um, and that is a challenge for us, um, but we are linking up with the Railway Safety Standards Board and some of the work they're doing. And um, they have a health and wellbeing function that are really research led, so we're linking in with some of their stuff. Now our systems have to catch up a little bit, <laughs> but um, we're 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 getting there. It's a, it's in the plans, so that's good as well.
1: Brilliant stuff. I suppose. Look, final question to yourself, Mary, and and maybe yourself, well, Chamberlain. Come to yourself, Mary first. So look, when it comes to these kind of strategies, Mary, I know we, we've we've probably answered this a couple of times, but I think it's important to reinforce. Any kind of advice on building strategies like this, just based on what Sharon has said, anything in particular to kind of highlight that whole approval by listening to staff piece?
3: Yeah, well, I I mean, I think the first step really is, it it really depends on the organisation you're in and the role that you're in within that organisation. So, you know, in, in Sharon's case, she doesn't have to influence upward the leadership team to even buy into it and that's fantastic that work is already done it's part of the corporate strategy so it it depends and it varies depending on the size of the organization you're in whether or not there's dedicated roles and i'm really curious uh sorry before i actually answered that question on i'm really curious sharon about how many of these roles do you see across ireland Are are you like fairly unique um in, in i don't mean unique in that you're the only one but there's probably not that many of these dedicated roles out there
2: um in terms of like the the my equivalent role um mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose there are more now in companies than there were before. Um, I, I was only speaking to a, a group in Trinity doing a health and wellbeing course recently. And I was saying, you're here at a great time doing your qualification. And it's great to speak to you because there when I was you know at that stage, there were no jobs. <laughs> so there are jobs, um, different types uh, of jobs in different organisations. But I think Irish Rail is quite unique. Um, I probably maybe without realizing it, but it's probably one of the most challenging <laughs> realizations because we have every, you know, different scenario, every part of the country, um, we have the shift, the day, the night, the all the safety critical, all, all of the various pieces. Um, but it's hugely rewarding. Um, but I do think that um you know, I for us as an organization, you know, there is a plan to grow. Um, there will be lots of negotiation with um, them, with, with senior leaders, even though it's in the strategy, but I will be reminding and, and highlighting that. Um, but there is, we're lucky. I mean, there's a real understanding that this is important and it has value. Um and you know, that, that can't be argued with. I think the world that we're in now, I think people understand that. And as we're showing the the level of engagement um and support across the organization—it's kind of a no-brainer, you know. Um, and that's been the way. Like one of our core values as an organization is valuing our people and safety. You know, is is another one. And they sit side by side. And like health and well-being. You know, staff being physically and mentally health. You know, healthy and, and fit for their work impacts on safety, and it impacts on valuing our people. So it, it, that's hugely important. And um, yes, I, I I hope to see our department growing. Um, I would like to see, you know, have specific supports around the country, so we can really support our health and wellbeing champions in regional areas, so we we're a bit, you know, in closer contact with them. And um, my new colleague, as I mentioned, um, Jennifer Finlay Mulligan, who's joined us, she is linking in with, um, like, our Inchicora champions, and our Houston champions, to kind of build that model a bit as well. Um, so that's that's kind of what what we're looking at to really support people. So you've got that and um, that close knit link. Um, as well but
3: yeah yeah and so if you you I mean if you're listening if you're one of our listeners out there and you're in an organization that doesn't have that level of support already in place I think it's a different kind of a, a strategy that you or your team need to look at so you know I would always say it's you know when you look at say your steering committee or setting up a steering committee who's on it uh, looking at who can help bring or weave the uh, health and well-being strategy into the core business strategy because it's you know it's harder if it's not part of the the core business strategy and an awful lot of organizations have similar values sharon we value our people but actually living that is very different from a, a statement um which is publicized almost in a marketing way across the organization and used to attract people into the organization Something that's lived and felt by the employees is a different thing, so let's for instance say we really value our employees, um, but you know what you 're going to work sixty seventy hours a week uh, consistently all the time um, and then that doesn't match up to a value necessarily if Profit is your bottom line, and above all else, you're striving towards profit, irrespective of the fact that you know people are being burned out or there are difficulties um, for people in their roles, maybe through being overworked or under resourced or whatever the challenges might be. And lots and lots of organizations face those challenges. So, I think always I would start with look at what you have. You know, what is there already? You may well have individualized departments doing things very well that you can bring across the organization. So it doesn't always have to be something new that you're doing, but it might be something that you can spread works in one place. You could spread it or use it in another place. But, you know, sitting down and making a plan and planning your um strategy, whatever your budget, um, however you're going to do it is important. Set up your steering committee, set up, get your champions in place, train those champions, you know, help them to do that job. Um and measure what you've done. Um they'd be my top tips, but it'll depend on size, structure, budget, um, and I, I just think it's wonderful to see what your organization are doing, Sharon. And and it's great to have dedicated resources, not not just yeah. one, dedicated resources <laughs> to this whole area. Um, and I'm sure the employees are really benefiting from
1: it. 100%. And look, it's great to hear such insights from yourself, Sharon, about such a, a far-reaching and obviously award-winning program. So congratulations again on that, Sharon. And thank you both for your insights. Obviously, I love these kind of topics where we can kind of get into the nitty-gritty of these kind of strategies. So, look, thank you both for your time. Great insights and hopefully put a lot of people at ease um, with people who are trying to set out and, and kind of do these things. So, look, thank you to everyone also for listening. we catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So, don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. And as always, for HR Consultancy Services and Management You Can Trust, get in touch with us today at InsightHR.E. Thank you, Sharon, and thank you, Mary.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Mary.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room Podcast the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember... If you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.